I screwed this up, hey! <laughs> and welcome to Education, Leadership and Beyond, Surviving and Thriving. My name is Andrew Marotta, host of the show. It is show number 148, and happy to be with you here live on Facebook. Uh, happy to be a member of the Education Podcast Network, as well as Voice Ed Radio Canada. Uh, appreciate those partnerships and happy to be live here with you today. And as you see, I kicked our first call of the game here, Coach, uh, by screwing up that sound, but we will get past it. So uh, it's show number 148. Great to be with you again and uh, hope all are well and safe. Really looking forward to talking to Mike Martin here in a couple minutes. Mike is the head coach of Brown University men's basketball. Uh, he has been there for nine years. Uh, and I really got to know Mike over the years. He does a great job there. He's been, you know, spent his career playing in the Ivies, being in the Ivies, and certainly uh, time in Providence, Rhode Island. So looking forward to uh, talking to Mike here and I welcome him to the program. I do want to thank our sponsor today, the Coaching and Leadership Journal. I'm going to send a copy of this to Mike. It's great stuff. This is by Dan Spanauer uh, down in North Carolina, the leadership publishing team. You can find this at and it's a monthly journal. Uh, if you are a leader, if you are a coach, if you're a, a teacher, it is an excellent resource for you. And this is the December version here. And just there's an article about John Lennon, right? It's the uh, uh, 40th anniversary, unfortunately, of, of his uh, shooting just tomorrow here. It'll be 40 years. There's an article about the Beatles breaking up. Here's an article about students struggling with misinformation, uh, a leadership article. An article on John Tillman, Maryland lacrosse coach. Uh, an article on teamwork. And just so many different stories here. The Coaching and Leadership Journal. Check it out. Marada 20 for your 20% discount. And you can find it at the leadershippublishingteam.com. Thanks to Dan Spanauer. If you're watching live, certainly jump in uh, with Coach and I. And, and again, we're going to meet Mike Martin in just a minute. So in getting ready for the show, Thought about my trips to Providence and, and Brown. And one of my first times there was my first or second year in the Ivy League. And at the time, uh, the coach, uh, his name was Craig Robinson. And I had never met Coach Robinson, uh, but a bunch of people had warned me, said, Andrew, you know, he he's going to come after you. Don't let him beat you up. Don't let him beat you up. Don't let him come after you. So I'm like, oh, my God, like, what's going to happen here? Is this guy kind of, you know. And, you know, as soon as he kind of barked something really bad or really loud, I gave him a quick technical foul. And, and, and Coach Robinson was like, what? Are you, you know, are you kidding me? Like, Andrew, that is unbelievable. That is the quickest technical foul I've ever got. And I called the supervisor after the game and uh, uh, told him what happened. And he said, all right, Andrew, you know, did you give him a warning? And I said, no. And he said, why not? And I didn't have an answer for my supervisor at the time. I just just didn't. And he said, Andrew, every coach deserves a warning, uh, especially if, you know, if you're just meeting the person. And I always remembered that and always tried to do that. And I try to do that in my role now as principal. I try to do that in my role as a father uh, and, and as a leader, right? Giving people warnings. And I remember that way back from 06 or 07. And I think it's important that we do give people warnings. We do give people chances, not too much, right? And uh, Mike is certainly somebody uh, on the sideline who always uh, conducted himself. You were able to talk to him, you say something to him, and, and he, he, you know, he responded in an appropriate manner. So let's bring him into the program. 
and see what his thoughts are on that story, as well as uh, a lot of other leadership things here. I welcome Mike Martin to uh, Education, Leadership and Beyond. Welcome, Coach. Andrew, thanks so much for having me on. Great to be with you. Yeah, we really appreciate it. And uh, this is uh, the head coach of Brown University men's basketball. Mike, what was your what was your take on that story and your, and your take on that concept about giving people a warning and or a second chance? My first take is I wish I could use that as an excuse for some of my technicals at Brown. Uh, unfortunately. Well, I got Mike frozen here. I don't know. If a warning. To people that stand, Mike, I got you frozen. And if they don't continue uh, to to meet the standard, then you can make a decision. Like uh, that might be appropriate, but uh, giving warnings, explaining communication, I think that's all uh, very very important. Yeah, and I was quick to jump the gun in, the, in that game, and I, and I learned that lesson and. I hope I always granted you a warning before we ever went down that road together. <laughs> Absolutely, I don't think I don't think you ever I don't, I don't think you ever had to give me one. I've only gotten a few in my career, but uh, I think they were all all deserved, and they they weren't by you. So that uh, uh, that's why I came on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, hey, that's part of the game, and gentlemen like you, right? You you are easy to work with. Um, Mike, how are you doing during this time? You know, you're coaching in the Ivy Leagues. Uh, it is the only league so far that has canceled uh, its whole season already. They already made that announcement. Like, how are you doing? Yeah, thanks. Uh, I'm doing fine. I'm doing. I'm. I'm doing well. My family and, and I were uh, we're healthy. Uh, we're enjoying a lot of time together. Um, you know, my players are are all healthy, and they're they're all throughout the country right now. And it's 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 odd. It's bizarre. Uh, we're not with each other. It's December seventh, and. You know, we don't have practice to get ready for. We don't have a game to get ready for. Uh, that makes that makes it different as a basketball coach. This is, the, this is the first winter. Somebody asked me this a few weeks ago. This is the first winter in 35 years I haven't had a season to get ready for. Going back to you know when I was playing you know uh, you know youth basketball. You know I've always had a winter where I was getting ready to be part of a team. So uh, it's different. Uh, but I'm trying to take advantage of you know more time with family as a coach. I'm on the road so much during the winter. Uh, I'm trying to, uh, you know, see the positives in, in, in this bizarre, uh, you know, winter that it is to be an Ivy League basketball player. And, and how are you communicating with your players? Are you still holding weekly meetings or every couple of weeks? How are you in touch with them? Yeah, you know, so we, we're having meetings as a team once a week, maybe once every other week. Uh, I'm in touch with them, you know, a lot one-on-one, -on -one, whether it's a text message or a FaceTime or, or a phone call. Um, you know, just to just to see how they're doing to support them. I thought, you know, we had a pre-Thanksgiving team uh, meeting on that Tuesday, and uh, the next day was going to be the the opening day for a lot of college basketball. And I, I anticipated that being a difficult week for our players, and you know, just tried to talk to them, see how they were doing. You know, how was it watching those games? And uh, you know, our guys are great. I mean, it's it's hard for them. It's 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 definitely. You know, their their identity is not just to be a division, uh, an Ivy League student, but to be a Division One basketball player, right? And they see the rest of their peers throughout the country playing hoops. Um, so it's hard, uh, but I think they understand. Um, I think they see the big picture. 
they're all still going to graduate with a degree from Brown. They're all going to get this year back from an eligibility standpoint. So as difficult as it is for them in the short term, I think they're all trying to see the see the positives that they can take from it and learn from it and grow and develop. Do you have any have any kids that aren't going to take advantage of the other year and, and you know, maybe a senior that, that is just going to go on to graduate and, and is going to leave? Yeah, so that so they're all going to get the year back eligibility wise. They won't necessarily get it back at Brown. There's some you know pretty interesting Ivy League roles that you know we may need uh, a whole a whole podcast uh, to set time to go through all those. But uh, basically, you can't be a graduate student and play in the Ivy League. And then at Brown, we have an eight semester policy, so you have to come in and graduate eight eight semesters. So wow. it's it's nearly impossible for my three seniors to play for us next year. So they'll all graduate. Uh, and then they'll uh, either go in. One of them's already got a great job offer outside of basketball. The other two, uh, you know, are definitely planning on going to grad school, and uh, you know, they're, they're going to be okay. Okay, that is interesting. And you know, I was going to ask, getting into this next question, you played in the Ivy League, um, you coached at some other institutions in the Ivy League, and now you're back at your alma mater. You know, coaching college basketball at any level is a challenge. But coaching in the Ivy League, you know, is prestigious, is awesome, is great. But I'm sure it comes with some challenges, too. You know, what would you say, Mike, is like, what, what is it like coaching in the Ivy League? Well, it's awesome. I'm fortunate. Uh, I mean, it's a group of eight of the, you know, premier academic institutions in our in our country. Um, we also have some highly talented athletes, you know, that make up our rosters. Um, so I, I just consider myself really fortunate to be associated with such a great league. And then more specifically, such a great school at Brown. Um, you know, Brown gave me an opportunity way back when I was in high school. Uh, and uh, it was an uh, experience I'll never forget as a, as a student athlete. I met my wife here. Uh, we've started a family, um, you know, in the time since we've graduated. And uh, I, I just feel really fortunate to be a part of, of such a great school does have its challenges, but what job doesn't, right? And, uh, you know, I think our job as, as leaders is to, uh, you know, uh, maximize the positives and uh, really uh, embrace, uh, you know, all that there is that's great about our school and great about our institution. And uh, that's what we try to do. Your kids are going to have some set of genes there between you and your wife with the academics and the athletics there. They're, uh, they're going to be doing pretty well. We hope so. We hope they, uh, you know, we, we just hope that they uh, stay uh, stay focused and stay healthy. And, uh, you know, there's so many distractions out there right now, Andrew. And our girls, they're nine, they're seven, and six. And, uh, man, they're a handful, but they're, 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 uh, they're, they're all they're incredible. I mean, we're, we're blessed to be, to be parents of uh, three, three amazing girls. Well, they get a little extra ice cream tonight because they're so well-behaved while you take taking <laughs> the podcast. Could change at any moment. Like I told you, it could change at any moment. They could be running in here yelling. <laughs> um, what drew you to Brown, Mike? What, uh, you know, you had an opportunity there. Uh, was it something that you wanted to play at that institution? And, and uh, you know, what, what drew you there as a player? Yeah, so, I mean, first and foremost, you know, the academic reputation for sure. You know, the coaching staff at the time, Glenn Miller was my head coach, and, you know, him and his, his staff, I thought, just did a great job of, uh, you know, making me feel wanted. We all like to feel wanted in, in, in any part of our lives, but certainly in the recruiting process. 
Uh, both my parents were uh, educators. Uh, my mother was a middle school teacher in uh, Springfield, Massachusetts for 35 years. My father was a high school coach and teacher and later an athletic director. Um, so I knew, you know, I, it, was all, I, it was always stressed to me how important it was to do well in school. Uh, and then when I you know, started getting recruited by Brown and Harvard and some Patriot League schools and, um, you know, I just I knew I wanted to play Division One, but I also wanted to get a great education. And uh, to me, it was pretty simple. I was going to look at, you know, the Ivy League and the Patriot League. And uh, Coach Miller and his staff, again, it, it, I was drawn to them. And, uh, you know, I, I had a, I made the right decision. I had a great experience. Coach Miller gave me my start in coaching. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm really, really fortunate. Yeah, that's terrific. And you've been there nine years. Really one of going down to one of the longest tenured coaches there, uh, you know, being at nine years. Um, Mike, how about a culture of, of winning, right? You've been there. You're trying to get into that top four, which is a nice thing now for the Ivy League schools. How have you over the years tried to bring a culture of success athletically to Brown? Yeah, so um... – that's a great question, and, and we're still we're still trying. You know, I think we're we've got great momentum. I think we're closing in. Uh, you know, on hopefully be, you know having a chance to you know be a, a regular season champion and win an Ivy League um, you know tournament and play in the NCAA tournament. Uh, it's only happened once at Brown, nineteen eighty six, and uh, everything we do is you know we're focused on you know, becoming the second you know Brown basketball team to win an Ivy League championship. I think it's all about the people you have. You know, uh, we, we try to recruit the very best and brightest, but young men who, um, you know, really value competition and value winning and are goal-oriented and uh, are going to work incredibly hard uh, to, to become the best versions of themselves. We may not get the five-star recruits every year, but um, if we can recruit uh, young men who want to be developed, who want to be coached, um, who want to pursue greatness – that's how I think we're going to do it. And, um, you know, we, we feel pretty good about what we've done the last couple of years. We've failed a lot as a staff, and I've failed a ton as a leader uh, in my first few years, and I'm going to continue to do that. But I think that's where we learn. You know, you learn so much through your failures, and, uh, through, your, through adversity. And, um, you know, we think, we're, we think we've got a lot of really good uh, reasons uh, to be uh, optimistic about our future. Yeah. And again, culture of winning, one of the things I saw researching for the show, you sent out an invitation to, I think, the student body, but the community asking them to come to the, a playoff game or, or the game to get into the playoffs. And it was an excuse to get out of work early, and you signed it. I thought that was fantastic to get some more fannies in the seats to, again, creating that buzz, creating that culture around the basketball program. It's one of the things we talk about all the time. We want we want to earn the respect of everyone on campus, in our city, in our state, uh, in our league, uh, in the country. We want people to care and love to watch Brown basketball. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of other choices people have when they uh, wake up in the morning. They've got a lot of things they can do. Um, actually, I, I should say pre-COVID and, and in, norm, in normal times. Uh, for them to choose to come and watch our team play, uh, you know, we don't take that for granted. So we want to work as hard as we possibly can. You know, we're in the cafeterias passing out flyers. We're walking throughout campus. We're walking up and down the streets uh, around campus to try to get people to come. And uh, I think when they come, they realize it's good basketball. Uh, we're fun to watch. And, and uh, you sit really close to the action. So uh, I think it's, it's a pretty good, pretty good deal if, if, if we can convince them. Well, you got two fans in this house. My mom is watching the program now. She came up to a game 
And my daughter, uh, we spent a beautiful weekend in Providence, went to that outdoor skating rink there. It was beautiful. And uh, my daughter said after the game, she said, Dad, that coach was really into the game. You know, he really was into it. I said, he sure was. <laughs> yeah, Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, that's great. I'm, we, we come back anytime. We'd love to have the Marauders back. Mike, tell me about your leadership style. You mentioned your former coach. Um, you know, in the pre-show, we talked a little bit about your parents and, and your grandparents. You come from a big family. But how do you lead uh, in your role as head men's basketball coach? Yeah, well, your daughter noticed it. Uh, she said, I'm passionate, right? And I'm intense. And you know, I think we demand a lot out of our, our players. Um, but we also, you know, I think uh, show them how much we care about them off the court and away from basketball. Um, you know, my, my philosophy is, you know, how I was raised and how I was brought up. Uh, if you want to be good at something, you have to work for it. You can't expect anyone to uh, give give you anything. Um, you've got to earn everything you get. And, uh, you know, I think we've uh, we've kind of uh, made some progress here at Brown because uh, we've got a group of guys who, uh, who kind of have bought into to that mindset and that philosophy. And uh, we want to earn everything we get. We don't want anything handed to us. And uh, that's how we're going to become the best team in the league. Yeah. It's certainly a journey, and again, you've put nine years in there, coaching there, uh, and, and it is exciting. It is fun to come to a game at Brown, and certainly the Ivy League, right? When people think college basketball, they think, oh, ACC or Big East. You know, the Ivy League is super competitive in those games. People would always ask me, right, oh, Andrew, what was your best game? I said last night's game, right? I would say that. Um, but then when they get into it, like, what are, you know, what are some of the best games? Some of the best games were those Ivy League battles because they were so close and so competitive. And, uh, you know, I wish you guys uh, getting into that top four now. What has that done for you, Mike? And, again, if, you, if you're not understanding what we're talking about, the Ivy League just have one regular season champion, and now they have a little mini tournament of four. What has that done to your coaching style in terms of your communication? Because, yeah, you want to win the championship. But is it just getting in that top four? Has it changed your kind of mindset a little bit? It hasn't changed our mindset. It hasn't changed our daily approach. We, we're, we want to be Ivy League champions, right? So we want to win, uh, you know, again, the, the first Ivy League championship at Brown since 1986. Uh, but what I, I would say, it's definitely changed how uh, people follow the league. And it's changed how, uh, you know, the last few weekends of the regular season, um, how, you know, what games are people watching. And we've been – you know, we've tied for fourth with uh, Penn each of the last two years. Uh, in the 2018-2019 season, we played the last game of the regular season at the Palestra, and whoever won that game was going to go to the uh, Ivy League tournament. And, uh, you know, whereas if there was no Ivy League tournament and it was only the regular season champion uh, advancing and getting the berth to the NCAA tournament, you know, maybe that game has a little different feel to it. Um, but as far as our, our daily habits and our day-to-day uh, -day approach, um, you know, we're, we're trying to become Ivy League champions, and, and you know, those are those are the goals that our students have, and, and, and we're uh, trying to achieve them. Mike, let's shift gears a little bit to a topic that is really on the forefront uh, in our country, uh, in the world, uh, really. But a lot of incidents uh, that have brought this up, you know, race and equality uh, or equity, um, and you know. Uh, on, on your team, right? You have uh, uh, so many different types of players. You have African-Americans, you have 
uh, white players, you have international players. How, how is this something that you've talked to your players about? Uh, and what were some of the things, conversations with your players on these topics? Yeah, so I mean, obviously, this this off season, I, you know, there, there was some awful uh, tragedies. Uh, obviously, George Floyd, um, you know, comes to the forefront. Uh, I'd like to think, you know, and I know that our, our program, we've done we've done things prior to this summer, you know, to try to uh, with our platform, uh, you know, as the Brown basketball team, in our small corner of, of the United States, uh, that have tried to serve and give back and, and help. Uh, you know, promote uh, social justice and, and racial equality for all. Uh, but certainly this summer, it was all brought to the forefront, uh, Andrew. Uh, and, and I think, you know, the pandemic had a lot to do with it. People were home, and, you know, didn't have a whole lot to do. And then you witnessed that uh, just awful uh, murder uh, on, on video, right? Um, you know, the first thing I, I think, you know, we had to do was, you know, talk about it. How did, how did our players feel? How did uh, our coaches feel? And, you know, how... Did that impact um, us? Because we're you, you said it, we're different. We've got a very diverse group on our team, uh, guys from different uh, backgrounds and different parts of the country, different parts of the world. Uh, it impacted everyone, uh, I think, significantly, but in different ways. So, um, you know, uh, having conversations uh, about our experiences, uh, how can you know I, as the leader, how can I support our team as much as I possibly can? You know, we had conversations in team settings. We had conversations one-on-one -on -one with our students. Uh, and then, we, you know, we've tried to think about, again, all right, here's what we're already doing as a program. What more can we do? Uh, how can we uh, better, uh, you know, support our student-athletes? How can we better support those in our community? And, again, as the Brown men's basketball team in Providence, Rhode Island, you know, what are some of the things that we can – you know, continue to do and, and add on to what we're already doing. And I've been inspired. I've been educated. I've learned so much from our student athletes. Uh, you know, they, uh, they've really, um, you know, they've taught me a whole lot and uh, I want to continue to learn more and you know, do all I can uh, in those areas. Yeah. And there's such a voice now uh, for the players, right? Whether it's on their shoes, uh, one of the teams I saw the other day on the back, they had different words about equity, uh, you know, in replace of the name. So uh, that's great that you're encouraging that and, and doing that. And, and hopefully when your players get back on the court, uh, it'll help them have that voice. Yeah, we will. And the, and the coaches around our league, you know, we, you know, the men's and women's basketball coaches, of the Ivy league, I think have been, uh, you know, leaders at least from a conference standpoint, as far as, you know, we, we've had conversations and we've talked about, listen to our students and ask them what can we do and we've come up with an ivy the ivy promise which is uh basically our commitment as you know 16 men's and women's basketball programs in the ivy league and there's a bunch of things that we've committed to going forward again just using uh our platform um you know as men's and women's basketball programs in the ivy league. awesome coach let me ask you about motivation you had talked about a final game at the palestra right and your kids playing you know 25 28 games you know, and, and different. Another different thing in the Ivy League is, if people don't know, you guys play a road game on a Friday and a road game on a Saturday. You know, how, how when you start to get into February and early March, after these kids have had 60, 70, 80 practices, you know, 20, 25 games, you, you know, everybody's tired. How do you continue to motivate those kids at, at that time of the year? Because they're you know, 18, 19, 20 year old kids. 
You know, talk to me about motivation. Yeah, so I think again, so much. Who makes up our program? Who, who are the people in our program? Are we recruiting the right types of guys uh, who are intrinsically motivated and don't need to rely on external factors? They're driven every day to be the best they possibly can be. Uh, I think we've, you know, if we're doing that, if we're recruiting the right type of young men. Uh, you know, they're, they're going to drive themselves every day and we're going to help, and we're going to support them and we're going to tell them how to, you know, teach them how they can develop. But uh, Andrew, I think so much of it is, are you, are you recruiting and hiring the right type of people if you want to have that type of uh, culture within your organization? Uh, you know, fortunately, I think we've, we've done a nice job recruiting and hiring, you know, uh, you know, sp sp you know, uh, when, you know, so that we don't have to, you know, get to practice on a Tuesday afternoon when you're just coming off of a tough loss on Saturday and worry about are these guys going to be motivated to be here today because we know they're going to be. Yeah. And do you ever, do you ever like you hear stories of coaches, uh, you know, bringing in uh, ping pong paddles and, and at practice doing something different like that. Do you ever throw them a curveball to mix it up from time to time? Like what are some tricks that you do to mix it up for them? Yeah, it's a good, it's a great question. So we, we try to, I mean, we, you know, we, we certainly have our routines and we have our, uh, you know, things that we're going to do uh, from a week to week basis and on a day to day basis. But uh, we try to keep them on their toes with maybe a different order of the drills we're doing in practice or changing the drills up from time to time or you know maybe doing something totally uh, you know different with regards to film. You know, we watch film all the time as a as a program, maybe you show them a movie uh, clip, or maybe you show them a, you know something funny from the day before, just to try to lighten the mood and keep them keep them on their uh, toes, and also keep it loose. Uh, because obviously, at the end of the game day, we're just playing basketball. It's just a game. We want to be really good. We want to win championships. Uh, we want to you know try to uh, teach great leadership um, uh, skills and life skills. But it's just basketball. So to keep it light, I think it's it's a great point to bring up. And, you know, something we try to do from time to time. Yeah. And people look at these super athletes on the court and they're, you know, they look like grown men, but they, they're kids, right? And they act like kids and they play video games and they do stupid things on their phone. And, 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 uh, but they like to have fun and it's important because uh, it is a long season for you. It is. And I'm 38. I'm a big kid. I like to do stupid things on my phone and do, uh, have fun too. <laughs> so, uh, as long as we understand that, we're in good shape. <laughs> Well, speaking about being in good shape, you obviously take care of yourself. You're fit, um, but I know you have a passion outside the court, and that's and that's golf, right? You know, what does golf do for you other than having fun, right? I know it helps you sharpen your saw, but what does it do for you while you're away from the court? Why do you have such a passion for? It? Yeah, it's a great great question, and and I think it's you know I run every day too, and I think they go hand in hand. I love being outside, you know, like we get some cold. Uh, Obviously, winters here, we're uh, in New England, here in Rhode Island, but uh, I still love to run outside and love the fresh air, breathing the fresh air. Um, you know, you can, with golf specifically, you can compete, and it still doesn't really mean a whole lot at the end of the day. You can get out there, uh, you can play with a group of guys, you can really get to know them, right? You get four hours on a golf course, I think you can probably have a pretty good feel for the type of person um, after you play 18 holes with them, but uh, it's a chance to compete, and it's a... Uh, but at the end of the day, it doesn't really mean a whole lot. So, uh, you know, it's been it's been a lot of fun, especially during COVID. It's one of the you know things I think you can do with others safely. Um, you know, being outdoors, uh, but uh, you know, getting the opportunity to do that has been uh, has been something I enjoy. Yeah, and you have that, and, and 
you know, you're also a, a busy father. You have three girls you mentioned earlier in the program. And again, they're doing pretty good here uh, in terms of the noise and, uh, and behavior, giving dad some privacy. But how do you balance it all, coach? Uh, you know, you're blessed to have some time here now. But again, like you'd say, right now you'd be at practice. Right now you'd have basketball responsibilities uh, between your wife and your daughters. How do you balance it all? Well, my wife is is uh, certainly a, an unbelievable uh, and amazing support uh, as far as allowing me to be, you know, uh, allowing me to coach, right? Allowing me to be away so much and travel so much for recruiting or games uh, and taking care of the kids and getting them from, you know, from wherever they need to be. Uh, when I am around, uh, Andrew, I, I think the biggest thing, and, and I'm not always greatest, but it, just to try to be present, right? Don't Don't be... Don't be here physically, but not be really here. And, you know, uh, really, you know, one of the great things about uh, being a coach is, you know, for the most part, I can get them to school in the mornings. If they have something at school middays, uh, I can sneak away for uh, from time to time to, to watch them and, uh, you know, try to make as many of their, um, you know, soccer games or basketball games uh, that don't conflict with uh, what we have. But, uh, yeah, just try to be present, you know, when, when I'm at work um, and when I'm when I practice or at a game, uh, obviously, you know, we're focused on on that. Uh, but, you know, when it's time to come home and have dinner, you know, let's be there and let's be present for that dinner. Let's not be thinking about, you know, uh, what went wrong in practice that day or thinking about the upcoming opponent. It's hard. It's hard to do. But uh, I think that's uh, one way, you know, I've tried to balance it all. And, and how about the organization, Mike? Again, your wife is a former college athlete, and, and you guys are in the mix here. You know, is, is there a family calendar on the wall? Is it a Google calendar? Are you having weekly meetings, right? Because your players all know the schedule. But how does how does Team Martin know the schedule? Family calendar in the uh, in the iPhone, right? We got it all in there, and uh, we have a shared calendar. We put it all in there, but then we still have to um, – you know, now it's different. You know, for the last nine months during this pandemic, it's been uh, the calendar's been uh, at least as far as traveling has been you know very limited. Uh, during the n normal times, uh, my wife when we get the kids to bed, a lot of times it's her and I. And we just look at each other, we look at the calendar, and say, "All right, how are we figuring this out?" And then we take it one day at a time. Uh, fortunately, we've been able to uh, do it so far. But uh, yeah, it's 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 that shared calendar and it's communication, just like. You know, you want to communicate with, with your players. You know, we, we've got to make sure we're, we're communicating about what's coming up next. Uh, what's the game plan for the week, right? What's the game plan for school drop-off and school pickup? Because uh, it can get out. It can get tough. Absolutely, and it's important that the, the, the captain of the team, your wife there, uh, is in tune with that. Mike, you mentioned about looking for the positives, right? And, again, here you are in, in, in uh, December, the first time in – 30-something years, you haven't been playing basketball or involved with basketball. You know, what has been those positives with your family? What are some things that you kind of have discovered that, you know, that you haven't done before because normally you're in the gym? Yeah, I mean, so I, I've, I've, I've really, um, I mean, I've, I've tried to, for the most part, you know, drop my girls off at school every day, pick them up from school. Fortunately, they've been in person, Andrew, which, you know, we – you know, are not taken for granted, and we, you know, we're, you know, we just you know, we're we're thrilled that they've been able to learn in that environment. Uh, we've eaten so many dinners together. You know, we've gone for family walks. Uh, I've slept in my own bed for the last nine months, which you know never happens. Um, so it, it's it's been awesome. I mean, the family time we've gotten. 
know, I'm not practicing with my team right now uh, at Brown. Uh, my daughters aren't playing basketball like they normally would, but we've got a, a hoop outside in the street. And as long as it hasn't rained, rained or snowed yet, uh, we've been having, you know, family basketball practices outside. So that's time that I would never have had, you know, in a normal winter. So uh, while I would love to be on the court and, you know, in the gym with my players, uh, I'm loving the time that I'm getting with my daughters and my wife too. Yeah. It is a blessing and, and the time, right? You, they're missing out, but they're getting this time with their dad. And, uh, you know, you, you have a pause here. So, you know, enjoy that time. Mike, was there anything else you wanted to share? You know, you were so nice enough to come on. There's a lot of educators that watch this uh, program and, and, you know, mentioned about your parents. But was there anything else you wanted to say in terms of uh, kids or leadership or anything in that ballpark? You know, I think we just kind of touched on it, but just, just you know, uh, enjoy the time you get with your students. I mean, I and don't take it for granted. You know, like for me, you know, the, the 17 guys that are on our roster right now, we have not yet been together. We haven't been all together since since uh, last March, you know, and uh, I miss seeing them every day. I miss being in the gym with them. Uh, I miss, you know, you know the, the, the hard work, you know, that we have together uh, and, and, you know, there's probably some times when they're sick of me and I'm a little bit sick of them. Right. And, and, uh, I will never be sick again of, uh, of, of anything like that. I'm hoping the players won't hear it, but just, just really enjoy the time you get with your students. Don't take it for granted because as we've all learned in the last nine months, uh, it can go away pretty quickly. Yeah, absolutely. Great message and great point. Uh, coaches, the last media timeout, we're coming down the stretch here. Um, so these are rapid fire questions, right? This is a last second timeout. This is a, a quick answer. Are you ready? I will try to be. I don't know if I'm ready, but I'll try. Here we go. Last book you read. Last book. Uh, when the Alphabet Comes by my good friend Jerome Allen, who was my uh, former boss at University of Pennsylvania. When the Alphabet Comes. Yes. All right. Last movie you saw. We watched uh, two the other day. We had rain nonstop here in Providence, in Barrington, Rhode Island. So my, my daughters and I and my wife, we watched Secretariat, which is a great uh, Disney movie about uh, the horse Secretariat. And then we watched Remember the Titans, uh, two great Disney family movies. Uh, Moana yet? You got three girls. You watch Moana, the actions here? Uh, about uh, five, I would say three to four times a month uh, for a couple of years. But I think we're past that. I've seen it a lot. Okay. Well, the new one, the action one. The oh, I haven't one. seen that. Oh, okay. Right. We'll get the girls queued up this weekend. That's all right. Great, great story, but especially for girls. Um, outside the Ivy League, where is it, you know, your favorite place to travel? Hmm. Uh, so non, I mean, non-basketball, I would say uh, my wife and I, we honeymooned in uh, Bermuda. We went back there for an uh, anniversary. Um, love it. Yeah, awesome place. And then we uh, we, we, we get away uh, in the summertime to a, a little cottage in New Hampshire, a uh, lake up there. Nice. Best, uh, this wasn't on a question list, best on-the-road uh, travel, like best uh, visiting, uh, you as a visitor to a, an opposing uh, gym. Uh, I, I would probably say the Palestra in Philly, um, you know, and I was there for six years too. So I know so many people there and just, you know, Philadelphia is a great city. Uh, Palestra is uh, a great place to play and coach. And uh, I always look forward to that, that, that trip. Yeah, 
and they're right on top of you there. And they put that new uh, big screen in there, man. They, they said you could see a pimple on your rear end with that screen. <laughs> uh, besides, besides basketball talent and grades, what are what are a couple of the things that you look for in a kid when you recruit him? Yeah, just you know, to the best of our ability, try to figure out do their values line up with what our values are, right? Are their values consistent with with what the values of our program are? Uh, are they going to help advance our culture uh, because of the values they have? And then, are, uh, what are their goals? Uh, are they driven uh, to be great? Um, I think if if we can find young men who have uh, similar values and goals to us, uh, and they're talented and smart, I think we got a pretty good chance. And in your conversations, coach, excuse me, <clears throat> is that I mean is that just something that you ask him? Tell me some of your goals, or is that something that you just organically take out of the conversation? So I think you can, yeah. I mean, I, I, I think the more you talk to them, the more uh, they're gonna really trust uh, and open up to you. So I think you know you want to you know talk to them, but I think you also want to talk to as many people as you can that know them, right? Their parents, their coaches, their teachers, maybe their opposing coaches. Uh, I think that's one of the biggest lessons we've learned in recruiting is um, you know we we you know maybe took made some decisions early on in our time where we didn't fully know the young man. Um, they were all great kids and they all, you know, had incredible um, things to add to our program and to our university, but maybe they weren't the right fit for me or for uh, the rest of our coaches. Um, and they didn't necessarily, you know, they weren't the right fit for our program. Um, you know, I think, we, and I know this is not rapid fire how I'm answering this question, Andrew, but uh, I, I think the more we talk to others around the prospect, the more we know what we it's just a 10-second violation. <laughs> you talked about some passions. You talked about some of the loves that you have. What is something that gets under your skin? What's a pet peeve of yours? All right, so you gave me these uh, a little bit. Uh, you know, you gave me an idea. What? So I have an idea of the next one that's coming, so they go hand in hand. My okay. pet peeve from a basketball standpoint is an official who tells me, Mike, stop officiating every play. You don't like that. <laughs> I do it. I do it a lot. <laughs> I do it a lot. I do it a lot. So if you ask me uh, if there was a, an official, what their pet peeve would be of me is be that Mike tries to ref every play. <laughs> hey, man, you try to get the plays for your team. We understand that. I'm, I was joking about the first one, Andrew. <laughs> Mike, how about Rhode Island? You mentioned about being outside. What's a favorite about Rhode Island? Uh, so many great things. Uh, food, right? Uh, great food, great restaurants, um, great beaches, right? We have so many different great, great beach communities in, in the state. Um, but yeah, I would say, uh, you know, food, whether it's Federal Hill, Italian, uh, seafood, you know, whatever you like, you can find great food here in Rhode Island and then the beaches. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, you mentioned about running outside. What's your best cold weather hack? Winter arrived this weekend. Uh, I've been wearing my tights under my pants, but what's your, what's your best cold weather hack? My best cold weather hack? Yeah. Your tip. What do you mean? Tip. Like a, uh, a tip for living out in the cold. Yeah. Bring, bring layers, right? Wear layers. It's, it's, it's cold up in Rhode Island. That wind up there, it is cold. Yeah. Wear layers. Okay. Uh, if you could get a rule change in there, Mike, what would it be for college basketball? So the women have already done it. I think we, we've got to, uh, 
call timeout late in the game, advance the ball. I think it's it's just does so much. You know, I also think we, you know, whether it's high school, college, FIBA, NBA, we should all have the same rules. What other sport has so many different rule variations, right? Um, you know, I think the length of the game obviously can be different depending on, you know, how old you are, what level. But I think we should be consistent with shot clock, uh, different, you know, um, you know, three-point line. I mean, I, some of the courts that you see nowadays, they have like three lines down. Like, like let's all try to get as consistent we can with those rules. But in, in men's college b- basketball, like they do in the NBA, like they do in women's game, advance the ball. And, again, we mentioned your games are so tight. So many of them come down there, and if you could call that timeout, it puts you right right at half court. Now you now you got a real shot versus a, some crazy heave, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Best purchase under a hundred bucks that has had a great impact on your life. I don't know. I've been thinking about. It. I got. I, I got nothing for you. I mean, um, yeah. I, I, I'm not sure. Maybe Christmas will bring that to you. Well, how about your sneaks? You mentioned running. Are you? What, what do you wear when you run? Yeah, I just wear. You know, we have Nike up here at Brown, so we have a Nike deal. So I just wear some. You know, usually like some Nike Air Pegasus to run. Okay, maybe they're, maybe they're under a hundred. I don't know. <laughs> Something that uh, about Mike Martin that people don't know about. My mother was one of fifteen children. My father is the oldest of seven. So uh, big um, family, lots of cousins, lots lots of aunts and uncles. Uh, obviously, um, you know, as soon as you get to know me, you probably know that. But if you don't know me that well, you may not. My aunt is watching now. We don't have that many for Thanksgiving, but man, your Christmas list must be something. Yeah, yeah. We've had to, I mean, we've had to really make sure that it's like, you know, you just draw names out of a hat because you can't buy presents. For <laughs> Best COVID advice that you would give to others? Yeah, we already kind of talked about it. Enjoy the outdoors, right? I mean, there's so many, you hear so many stories of, you know, the things spreading inside. Enjoy the outdoors. And even in December in Rhode Island, uh, try to enjoy the outdoors. Mike, you did a great job. I really appreciate it. Um, and, and, you know, you guys have been dealt a tough hand here, and you, you had a great outlook on it, looking for the positives, and uh, hopefully find some other opportunities for those kids that did miss their last season there. Um, but this is Mike Martin. Uh, you can reach out to him. He's on Twitter here on the bottom of the scroll, as well as Brown Basketball. Um, Mike, if again, people want to learn more about Brown Basketball, what would you say the best way uh, to do that? Yeah, you know, so come watch us play next time, you know, next season. We'll be back up and running. Uh, in the meantime, like you said, follow us on social media. Um, uh, our players are amazing, you know, amazingly well-rounded too, right? Uh, really good basketball players. Really smart, but really good people. And uh, I'm fortunate to be their coach. And I appreciate you having me on. Yeah, man. Stay on the line a second. Uh, this is Mike Martin, everyone. Uh, I'm Andrew Murata at Andrew Murata 21 on Twitter. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, again, this was show number 148 here on Education wow. Leadership and Beyond. And, Mike, I'm going to send you a copy of this. But check out my buddy Dan Spanauer's Coaching and Leadership Journal at the leadershippublishingteam.com. I jacked up the music today, so we don't have any outdoor music. So thanks for tuning in, everyone. All right.